Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. I'm yeah, no, it was meat. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Hello and welcome. My name is Sean Fraser. I am a music journalist. I work in radio and I sing in a pop punk band called The Ritzy Kids. This is my first podcast, episode one. Never done this before. I don't really know what I'm doing, but hopefully over the coming months I get it all together. Basically, I love music. I love talking about music. I live and breathe music and I play music. So I just wanted another avenue where I could talk about it. If there's not enough music in my life, I needed more. And so I decided to start a podcast just like everyone else. Basically, it will have some structure though. Each week, I'm going to bring an interview from someone within the industry. They could be a musician. It could be someone front of house. It could be someone backstage. It could be a photographer. Anyone that I find interesting, I'll interview and put it on this podcast. So I'm really excited about episode one though. Coming up, I've got Lindsay McDougall from Friends of Rom. Other people will know him as The Doctor. He was on Triple J for years and years. He's been in radio as well since like 2004. It's a long time. But he's been in this punk band for like 30 years, Friends of Rom. When you think about Australian punk music, I think Friends of Rom is one of those bands that just comes straight to front of mind. They're an incredible band. Very talented. And Lindsay, especially on his guitar. I know that, they, you know, punk music gets a bit of a, a bad name or, or, or they say, oh, it's only three chords. No, not with Friends of Rom. Uh, and the guitar playing ability of this guy is phenomenal. If you haven't seen Friends of Rom, you've got to get out to a show. They are incredible. But uh, I had a chat with Lindsay. It was a funny story how we hooked this up. I sent him a message. I said, hey, can I come and interview you? He said, I've got a gig on on Saturday. How about at the gig? And then it turned out the gig was just around the corner from where I live. So I said, all right, let's do it. But the backstage was quite small and loud. So I said, oh, I don't think this will work, you know, so maybe we could do it somewhere else. And he suggested, why don't we, you know, record it in the car? So... <laughs> There we were in the uh, car park of Womberal Surf Club uh, recording the podcast. And the interview is a cracker. It's a lot of fun. Uh, he's just such a such an easygoing, cool dude. And I spoke about a lot of things, expensive whiskey, South Coast, Central Coast, which is the best coast. We spoke about the band's recording of A Man's Not a Camel, which is their big breakout album uh, from 1999. They recorded some of it here, then they recorded the rest over in the States. And uh, a really funny story with the producer over there as well. Something happened there with the band and the producer. And we also spoke about how he's going with sobriety. Uh, It was one of those things that he decided that he would give up alcohol during the pandemic. And uh, yeah, like I said, great fella, Lindsay McDougall. And here is my interview with him. Are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here on the beautiful Central Coast, the second best coast in the world. What's the best? The South Coast, New South Wales. Of course, Warren, right. That's, that's where you yeah, are, right? Absolutely, yes. Not not tonight, but yes, normally, yeah. And you're playing above a cafe tonight? At this place, I didn't know the cafe existed. I didn't know the suburb existed. Um, and yes, and we're in the car park because this is a place not 
renowned for its loud um, enthusiastic punk rock concerts. Not usually above a, a cafe do you find a punk band, and this venue, they're just starting to kick this off. Yeah. And I mean, there have been bands that have played here to, to warm this uh, venue up, but mm. uh, Friends of Rom. Yeah, this, this will, is unreal. This will be the one that uh, you know either kicks it off and makes it an institution, or it will never happen again. <laughs> um, but it's so far so good. We sound checked, and uh, it all sounded great, and they've been very lovely, and they fed us some veggie burgers that were lovely, and they gave us beer, and that's all that we really ask for. That's all that matters. Mm. Now I've got to tell you, I've got this collared shirt on. Yes, yeah, right? so, yeah, I, I you thinking that, that up, I, you, but, you you're know. thinking I've dressed up for you, and, <laughs> and look. Mm. I w- would have, but mm. I have actually come from a 40th birthday. I'm in the middle of the 40th birthday. I said, right. look, I've got to go have a chat <laughs> and watch Friends of Rom, and then I'll come back. What's happening at the 40th? Is the 40th better? Should we, should we both go to the 40th? Is well, it- here's the thing. The guy, Cam, he's 40. He said, can I come? Mm. So- is, he, is that him in the back seat there? Is it- <laughs> And he wanted to leave. He's 40. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's, there's a really like lavish kind of 40th. Like okay. Got, um, this Central drink. Coast sort of 40th, though. Would, yeah, yeah. I mean, as lavish as you can get, really. But anyway, so I had this drink and I had a bloody oyster in it. Have you had Oh, I don't eat oysters. Yeah. But uh, was it like a like a tequila, sort of like a like a, a Bloody Mary sort of drink with oysters? Bloody Mary with, a, with an yeah, oyster in I've it. Yeah, I've seen that. Because you make Bloody Marys... With obviously the tomato, but sometimes tomato juice with clam, clam essence or clam juice in it. Right. Very, very kind of, uh, I think Los Angeles, Californian kind of vibe. Obviously, and Latin American. I'd never had it before, and yeah. I thought this is booze. This, but anyway, it's yeah. fucking. I'm leaving. I'm yeah, going that's to it. You're going. <laughs> One oyster down, and you're here. Yeah, I'm going to go interview Lindsay in my car. Zero oysters. Yeah, there's no oysters in this car. <laughs> I'm afraid. Hey, um, I kicked off this podcast because I just wanted oh, to. Let be... me just. Try. I'm going to press the display button. Yeah. Are you pressing things on the... There it is. I just wanted to make sure because I didn't see that. Oh, you were worried. I wanted to make sure that 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 the the timer wasn't elapsing. We are recording. Yeah. We are recording. That's the one thing about the the Morans. Everyone knows. Everyone loves the Morans. If you're listening, you're a Morans fan. Uh, You can only have the one thing on the display. You can either have the the faders so you know that the voices are going in or the... Time elapsed. Yeah, we are talking about the recording gear that yes. I bought here. And, um, uh, Beautiful I, piece of I've kit. Be, I've been handed this really, it's a relic, really. Mm. It's an old, uh, it's an old thing. This is from the yeah from the old days. I think this is probably what one of your uh, one of your previous journalists, maybe one of the presenters, yes. probably used to use. Probably dead now, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is like this is probably old. died doing an interview. <laughs> In fact, their last words would would have been on this. Like, oh, I'm not feeling that good. Actually, can I just can I ask that question again in a second? That was their last word. Yeah, and that was it. Well, anyways, it's great to have you here in the car at the at the yeah. surf club. Thank you. Uh, on the podcast, because are you going to do all of your interviews now in cars? Well, and think, well car if this comes out okay, then I think I might actually <laughs> actually do that. Something about it. But it. It was cool that just during the week, I just send you a, a message on Instagram, and mm. I was like, you know what? I was sitting there at home, and I was like, who can I interview for the podcast? And I thought of you. And I thought, oh, I'll just send him a message, see if he replies. Bang! Hmm. Replied straight away. And then we organised it, because, and here we are. <laughs> just coincidentally, we're both in this part of the uh, of yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's other people that have just see my message and... <laughs> have you been left on red? Oh, yeah, times. yeah. You know, you know, you try to kick things off like this, and, and people just, mm. you know, they just they just look at it and go, who's this? Yeah, right. No, I, I mean, feel like, um, for a start, there are not enough white people doing, white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes <laughs> along. But, uh, but also, maybe 20 years ago, I would not have been so forthcoming with an interview. 
interview. I would have been like, oh, bloody hell, bloody interviews. Oh, what are they going to ask us some dumb questions, et cetera. And then I got into radio and realized, oh, it's actually really hard. And now I feel a certain compassion and empathy for everyone who's trying to do interviews. So You are a fellow radio. And, you know, being a radio guy, you sort of look at podcasts like, I'll never do a podcast, you know. (laughs) It's all about radio. It's all about what comes out of the car speakers and Mm. what comes out of the speakers. It's happening right now. Yeah, it's happening right now. And and here I fucking am. Radio moments. But, But then radio these days is also packaged, repackaged up into podcast form or to, to listen back again form, depending on who you're doing it. So it, I feel like they are they are kissing cousins, radio and podcast. Sometimes they get into bed together, but they are definitely related. <laughs> that is good. They do get into bed together they sometimes. Do. And how is your radio career going? Uh, you're in Illawarra now. I am. I work for ABC Illawarra. That's in Wollongong on New South Wales South Coast, the best, the best coast in the world. And uh, it's the best. So I, I worked at Triple J for... 10, just over 10 years and had a little break and was driving around Australia when I found out the job was going and my wife is from Wollongong or from the Wollongong area and I'm from just above the Wollongong area in the Sutherland Shire um, and I hadn't, I hadn't lived there for like 25 years but um, we were like, oh well maybe we want to move to Wollongong mm. and it's because we were living in Sydney in Newtown and so yeah, I got the... Uh, uh, the job interview thingy and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. yeah, it's been that's the best. It's um, working for the ABC is different to Triple J. It's much more because um, it's an ABC local. It's much more geographical based. So a, Triple J is nationwide. So you can't really focus on any towns except when you do the localism is is hard to oh, do yeah. on Triple J. Nationally is very hard, and 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 so being able to focus on a place that you live places that you know, um, you know, shops that you know, people that you know, businesses you know, politicians, music that you know, and that and that people listening know because they see them down the street rather than they know because they hear them on the radio or whatever, you know. So you can talk to bands that are playing just up the road and you can talk to politicians that are making decisions, you know, <laughs> the local mayors that are filling in potholes on the roads that you drive to work, you know. Very local radio. But yeah, no, it's great. And also, there's like a giant escarpment and there's beaches and it's yeah. the best. In local radio, you, sometimes you've got to hit like a quota, especially in news. Like you've got to, every half hour, you've got to have a minute of local news or something. <laughs> and you talking about potholes just reminds me of when I was working here on the Central Coast in radio. Mm. And uh, we'd be like, oh, shit, we, we've got no local stories. You know, the local football team didn't play on the weekend. Mm. We've really got to make this quota. And then we just ring the council <laughs> and just ask what holes they were filling in. <laughs> That'd be the story. What do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, well, there's always there's, there's always some uh, announcement. There's like a, a council meeting's happening on a night, and you can say what's going to be talk, discussed at the meeting. Uh, what happened at the meeting? Uh, what are you planning to bring to the meeting? Yeah, yeah there's like yeah. there's like four or five <laughs> days worth of content out of that. We are talking about Central Coast. Mm. Do you remember this gig? It was the early 2000s okay. at your minor beach. It was filmed ah, yes. by Channel V. Mm-hmm. The thing is about this gig, I'm from your minor. Mm-hmm. You know how, like, in Adelaide, when the Beatles came, it was like two-thirds <laughs> of the of Adelaide City went to see the Beatles play. Mm-hmm. Well, that same thing happened with you guys, just in your minor. Like, yeah. two-thirds of Sl- your minor turned up. Smaller population, to be fair. Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Slightly small. But two-thirds turned right, up, yeah. and there was someone with a... With a couch, someone drove a couch onto the um on the field. Oh, wow! And the couch stayed on the field for like days and days. Oh, really? They got yeah. left there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like that that was like a, a Channel V event. They used to do such great things for Australian music, and they would just set up often on a beach, yeah, in, in a beach town. And yeah, it was the best. And I don't know if that one was we were playing on the back of the bus or if there was a Channel V bus there as well. But um, we used to. 
it was yeah, it was so much fun those shows. And I do remember the Uminer show. I feel like we would play those shows and then have to go and play a proper gig to for money because those shows you generally do for free. Right. So but, channel uh, yeah, so but, like, well, amazing publicity. Jesus of Christ. Course. Yeah, you go. You We're got still bloody, talking about it yes, here, Uminer. It's got bloody, 2022. Uh Osher Gunsberg back when he was known as Andrew G that's announcing right. you on the stage, that's going to be doing great things for your band. Channel V was so good back was, then. Yeah, very I mean we we um like every, once again, it was before Jason and I had started doing interviews. So we'd, um, we would treat the the hosts absolutely mercilessly. But, um, yeah, it was so much fun. All of those people uh, that used to work, it was, uh, uh, there was a McLeod, was it Leah McLeod, Sarah's sister. And there was um, obviously Yumi and James and Andrew back before he was Osher and um, Jabba, all of those people. I feel like they got away with a lot as well back then. Yeah, and a lot of it was live too. Yeah, 100%. You know? the, the, down at um, Fox Studios was all live, all that stuff. Do you reckon that that sort of crushed a bit of the Australian live music thing, just them taking away that? I remember so many kids in high school would find their bands through Channel V mm. and they would they would listen to the, or watch those shows religiously and now and then when they just all of a sudden just decided to pull out pull that away I mean yeah. you well, only had Triple J and Triple J is great for that sort of but thing but it's not visual though and, no. and I, I think yeah I mean and before that was recovery but I think the, there's like a, a sort of a, a catch 22 or you know they, they both cause the other because obviously the reason that the, those things get cancelled is because people consume their music in different ways and people aren't turning on Channel V anymore they're watching stuff online you know and, and obviously that's changed so much now as well and so people were spending less time finding their fav- new favourite band by watching Channel V, they're fine. Back then, they were probably finding it by clicking through uh, Facebook or whatever, you know, and, yeah. and or YouTube. And now, obviously, it's TikTok and all that stuff. So, I, I, I people always talk about bringing back recovery, bringing back Channel V, and all that stuff. And it's just you got to go where the people are. So you got to go online. But then, yeah. why were people going to watch a live show online where they might see something they like when they can just? find stuff immediately anywhere in the world you know it's a uh, it's such a hard thing and i'm really glad that i'm not involved in that part of the business yeah the online thing i mean oh, look it is uh, so much easier to find um bands nowadays but you know it is sad that you lose things like uh watching live bands yeah. on live tv that yeah but then they do their own live tv I mean, that, and that was interesting during the um the start of the covid pandemic Everyone having to, you know, there was no no live gigs, so you couldn't you couldn't even go to Ocean View Cafe at Wamberal and play a gig. It was ridiculous. So you had to do stuff at home, and so everyone was doing stuff online. I know um, the one of the first ones that um, Emily Ullman started was the Isolade Festival, and that was literally bands or artists mm. with their phone chocked up against a book on on their kitchen table playing songs down the phone for 25 minutes yeah, right. and then it would go to the next one and then another band and they they did this for like a year of isolate every saturday it was a, it was the best and so Every you know, everyone in the world is doing this. You could go and watch live concerts. Jimmy Barnes did about, uh, he, I think he did a whole. It was like every, almost every night. It was just him That's, and Jane. I think he's still doing that. Is he really? I'm, so I'm pretty sure me he's and, still me doing. And Jen, me and my wife would just, you know, even if we'd missed him, we'd just go and. So, did you see this one? He's done. He's done this song. He's done this song. And suddenly, you know, when the lockout law started to ease a little bit, there'd be more guests. You know, be the yeah. fan. Well, Mahalia, Jimmy's daughter, lives down. Used to live down the road from Jimmy. Uh, in my broadcast area in right. in, uh, in Barama in the Southern Highlands, so they would all they were they were in their own cluster, so they could you know, lock out. They were allowed to be in the same house. But I very much enjoyed watching a lot of live <laughs> stuff just online from our couch. The uh, the first, the, especially the first year of lockdown, which was we had a uh, we had a drunken year of lockdown, yeah, and then we had the sober year, and we we stopped drinking during lockdown. And you're Lost still sober? Yeah, still sober. Yeah. Still sober. Wow. Yeah. And the first year though was 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 not sober. 
Oh yeah, that first year. I think I think it's going to go down in the history books, isn't it? It's going to they're going to do all these surveys in years to come. They're going to realize how drunk everyone got in that at that first year yeah. because everyone was like, "This is so weird. This has never happened. I've got to stay at home." And mm. what do I do? I just, I just drink, and you have no like you have no obligations outside of work if you if you can work. And so, and for us, for my obligations, we're going away every weekend and playing shows. And so, instead of that, we'd just sit at home and you know, maybe watch shows and then just drink because what else? Yeah. We even did like online whiskey tasting from yeah. the local, there's a pub down the road, <laughs> Hal and Wolf would do it and they would, they, I actually picked up the, 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 the little whiskey samplers, but they were driving around whiskey samplers. It was ridiculous the way that the alcohol laws changed during COVID. Oh yeah. People were making cocktails. Cocktails and putting them out on yeah. their, on the, like the, yeah. the shop front. And and them, <laughs> well, we had, we had uh, one of the, I think it was Hal and Wolf, one of the ones in Wollongong would put these little plastic lids on and they'd, on a push bike, ride you know, like Uber Eats style, Uber booze, yeah. um, you know, freshly mixed cocktails around <laughs> people's houses around Wollongong. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny watching with another hundred people from around the Illawarra and around the world, watching these two guys in a pub <laughs> telling us, okay, now drink now, everyone at home, drink now. <laughs> and you should be tasting some, you know, the, tasting some oak, tasting some whatever. Um, it yeah. probably had to be so like innovative, especially yeah. if you had a business. Oh, for sure. And it's so, I mean, it, it is you know, it's just so horrific for so many businesses, but gosh, it was good seeing people, the way people uh, managed to get through it. I uh, I was talking to a mate today just at a, at a barbecue. Mm-hmm. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. I'm yeah, no, it was meat, but it was for mm. the baby that was coming. Oh, you know, nice. the fortieth and a baby queue. You are absolutely and in Lindsay that in the car. It's it's right. a busy it's a busy Saturday. <laughs> but uh, one of the blokes there, he um he, he stopped drinking in October last year, and I said to him, um you know like, how do you feel? And he said he's felt felt the best he ever mm. has. So is, is that the same for you? I, I was annoyed that I didn't get the amazing, oh, my God, I'm a reborn human being right now um, feeling. I get I, – I obviously don't – I never really got terrible hangovers anyway. So that's like – I didn't get that, which is annoying. But, um, yep. but I definitely feel like I get less anxiety at the end of a weekend, which is nice, you know, like going back to work kind of feeling. And what was your poison? Um, well, I was telling this friend, a friend this story, actually. So we would – uh, it was my wife's birthday. She's in her mid thirties, um, and uh, a couple of years ago, in her early to mid thirties, I uh, bought her for her birthday thirty four bottles of whiskey. Nice. That was our that was our my birthday present for her. And this is in the the year of lockdown where this made very much sense. <sighs> and so yeah, just drinking a uh, just straight whiskey on ice is the best. I think that's also you don't get too many hangovers. You're just drinking straight whiskey yeah. on ice cause, unless you obviously. Um, drink a whole bottle, but that's the thing. You you know when you uh, you're with your your mates or with your partner, and you finish a bottle of whiskey, and you're like dropping out the last drops, and you're like, whoa, we drank a whole bottle. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, I feel, you know, wow, I can't believe we did that. When you've got 34 bottles, yeah. you finish a bottle, you just grab the next bottle. <laughs> and there's no reason not to because you're in lockdown. You know, work is essentially reading out the COVID stats every day for three hours yeah. and talking to Norman Swan. Yeah. And, you, and, you, <laughs> and you're at home every weekend, so there's no reason to not reach for another bottle. So, yes, uh, <laughs> I actually ended up writing a song, like a, a very sort of Irish oh, yeah. folky song about the uh, Irish whiskey, which is which was our, our low road to sobriety, <laughs> which brought us to stop drinking. Very cool. I... 
I went to a whiskey bar once, not mm-hmm. not that long ago actually. And I'm I, I just I watch the movies and it looks cool. Like it, it just looks yeah. cool. You know, the gangsters they, mm. they they put the glass down, and they put the big uh, ice cube in yep, there, and they yep. pour a little bit. And I'm like, I need to get into it just because maybe. I'll, and every time I have it, I, I, I I'm not big on it. Mm-hmm. Went to a whiskey bar. And the guy was like giving us really good nips of, of mm-hmm. good ones. And I felt so bad for him at the end because he was like, all right, boys, I've, uh, you know, you've got my attention for an hour and a half. Yeah. You tell me what you want. I'll bring it to the table. <laughs> and one of the blokes goes, and he was just being honest. He wasn't trying to be a prick. Yeah. He goes, four beers, thanks. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Oh, but it's good. It's very Australian. I um, yeah. we So this is a frenzel story. Yeah. We were, were recording um, A Man's Not a Camel in America in, uh, in Redondo Beach. And uh, our uh, producer, Eddie Ashworth, amazing producer. He produced a couple of our albums. Beautiful man. And he was so... We'd, he'd never met us. We, we'd never met him. We'd done half the record in Australia and he invited us... You know, we did the other half in America. He invites us to his family home and uh, his wife's there and it's also very American, very sort of, uh, you know, middle class, very middle American. Um, and uh, it was all... They... Uh, they had he knew about us because he did seen us in Australia, so he made sure he had an esky full of beer or a cooler, cooler full of beer for us. <laughs> and before that even served the the, uh, the actual dinner, I think we'd finished the, the cooler of beer, and he, so he got the other beer out of the you know the fridge. Okay, we have this, whatever, you know, wines or whatever. And at one point, there was just no alcohol left except. There was a fancy bottle of whiskey. Oh, and no. was like, well, I, I guess you guys could have, have this. And uh, you know, takes it down off the shelf and you know, rips off the fancy thing and opens the cork, <laughs> whatever, and pours it in to some glasses. And then uh, our uh, drummer, Gordy, gets some Diet Pepsi and pours it in it oh. to mix it. Because <laughs> we are dickhead Australians that yeah. would, would drink, would be like yeah, bourbon and Coke was a standard oh. drink back in the 90s. And I just remember Eddie Ashworth's face just poured filthy Diet Pepsi into this fancy <laughs> single malt scotch or whatever. And what did he, did he say anything or was oh. he just? Oh, well, the, the funniest thing was when uh, he was like, we are like, oh, you got any more beer? You got any more to drink? He's like, oh no, there's more beer here. There's, oh, oh, oh. And he didn't realise we just cleaned him out of all this stuff. <laughs> It was a, uh, I mean, that whole album was about drinking, so he should have really got the idea. But, um, yeah, it was a very funny moment. I was listening today. I was going through, you know, not only was it the barbecue and um, mm-hmm. at the 40th, but I was listening to Friends of Ron today just to, you know, get back into the feel of feel of things. And um, A Man's on a Camel, that mm-hmm. album, is that Friends of Ron's big one? Well, it was for the record sales, and yeah. at the time, it was like uh, we'd finally worked out how to make stuff sound good. Like yeah. the album before was uh, like so we'd done three albums before that. Yeah. I, I'd only recorded on the one before that, and uh, the first two sounded pretty tough. But didn't you couldn't really hear what was going on. And then um, Meet the Family was the one before that sounded pretty good, but it was all it was a little still a little bit amateurish. And then by by Man's Night Camel, we'd had a, sold a few records, and we could afford to get a good producer and play and record in America, and. Um, um, yeah, it was like, wow, we get to do this. We can be a bit more expansive. We can have slower songs. We can have faster songs. We can have multiple guitars on the same yeah. song, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was for, – for that time, it was our absolute awesome, fun, big album to make. And it worked out. It sold out heaps too, which is cool. I feel like the, the early 90s is in the punk sort of, you know, it came back um, obviously off the back of the grunge scene. Mm. But there was a period in like 99, 2000, 2001 where the punk started to sound Polished. Oh yeah, like and that—that's around that time you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, well, because you could afford to pay people like yeah. to make your record, and you know, and and I think some people got pretty offended by that. But there were some people who got offended when Frenzel Rom started, you know, 
going from parties to playing bolos to charging for gigs. You know, like everyone's going to get angry at you for doing everything. And there's definitely a lot of pop music on that album. Definitely very sort of, you know, slow, you know, 4-4 four, four beats yeah. rather than double and, and, and clean guitars. But there's so many. It's just so – it's also pretty – it's very funny. There's a lot of funny stuff on that album and, you know – for all of the, you know, You Are Not My Friend style pop songs, there's also, you know, ridiculous songs like Do You Want to Fight Me or, um, God, what else is on that album? Or like, I don't, I don't need your loving, all I need is an operation on my spine. <laughs> like, ridiculous, like, I think we were very good, at, we were very aware that we were making stuff that was quite polished and poppy. Yeah. So we knew that we had to at least put one bullet in our foot yeah. as we were doing it. We had to shoot ourselves in the foot every, you know. So, but yeah, it was, and and for that time, that was, yeah, the absolute peak. And and then we, the next album after that sucked, which is to be expected. You have a big album, you sign to a major label, mm. you record a crappy album. And that's what always happens. And then we started writing good good songs. What sort of cash do they, you know, you don't have to give me a figure, but like uh, to do that man's not a camel, like it's a big money. We're talking huge. No, we, I have no idea. I honestly, okay, honestly you don't no know idea that. what we yeah. paid, but I know, as a result of that, that was on Shock Records, and so they would have they would have paid they you know they pay for the album and pay for us to go over there and stuff and put us on the road at the time to sell it, and then the band was paying me two hundred fifty dollars a week, and that's what I was living on at that time because I couldn't get the dogs. We were travelling overseas yeah. too much. We travel overseas um, to America twice a year or whatever, um, and like in for three months twice a year, and um, so we were so poor at the time. I remember we were programming Rage. What a what an absolute gift. We were programming Rage and Gordy, our drummer, who was living at my house, living in my lounge room at the time in Newtown, and me, we bought a uh, large chips and that was our lunch and dinner oh. uh, with a loaf of bread, which is still delicious. I yeah, mean, you know, it's, we're, we're doing fine. And our bass player, who was this weird at the time, he's quite rich and uh, like sort of, you know, from a wealthy family and stuff, was like, oh, can I have a chip? Can I have a chip? And we're like, man, <laughs> that's like seriously all the food we've got. And yeah, you got money. <laughs> with, yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it's quite funny that the album was very expensive and we did, but we had no money. We had absolutely no money. Like, and in America, we were paying ourselves $10 a day PDs, which is enough to get you a six pack of Coors, for example, yep. uh, and a pack of Siggies. So I think we both, me and Jason both smoke Siggies then, which is very silly. But, um, actually, sorry, Jason didn't smoke Siggies in case his parents are listening. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, no, he was not. Yeah, but, uh, it, um, but yeah, so it was only after that, because of that record though, because of the outlay from Shock, then the next, then Sony, wanted to give us an advance for the next album and that yep. then we could finally start paying ourselves and paying rent and I the money that I got from that lasted me until essentially from the money from that and the money that the band started making after the 1999 when we sold to Sony mm. sold sold out which is fine uh, until essentially until I um, started working at Triple J in 2004 wow. so it was like five years of like actually being able to pay rent and, and being able to be in a band and not have to um, have a job or anything so that's great. a long time yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we were touring constantly, so we're making money touring. It wasn't just from the advance and from the royalties from the albums and stuff. But and what what changed, say, before Man's Not a Camel? Like, mm. what was the shows like then and then, and then after, after that, that one? Yeah. Oh, we, we'd always played, you know, the big day out and all that and done big shows like that. But I guess – I think it was more just playing more broadly because we started getting played on Triple J a lot more. And so we could tour all over Australia. In the year 2000 – we did this tour. I think, you two, I think 2000 was the day. It was the year that um, Big Brother started, and we went. We started on tour the day that the Big Brother contestant went into the house. We finished the tour when they came out, and that's like seven or eight weeks or whatever. And we did all of Australia up and down two shows a day, 
everywhere. Um, from, Two shows a day. So yeah, you do we, matinees. Doing all ages and then an over 18s because okay. that's the all ages thing was yeah. massive. Then And we were also, that was another th- result of having so much music played on Triple J. The all ages thing was massive. In most places. We would play to occasionally 11 kids in Tennant Creek. In fact, I think it was Tennant Creek, maybe Catherine that we played. And uh, it was like 10 or 11 kids <laughs> and it was hilarious. And we just got the, we just said, does anyone know how to play instruments? You want to come up and play some songs? And they end up playing like Did they? Limp Bizkit or Corn <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they were cool kids. Oh, fuck, Limp Bizkit was so big at that time. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah, it was quite funny. But um, yeah, yeah, so so, so that, I think that was what, we, we could just tour constantly. And we were also spending a lot of time in America, um, you know, trying to break America, which was a lot of, a lot of expense that didn't really, because we didn't have, we didn't spend enough time, we didn't move over there or anything, you know, like, like bands that did so well over there or had a we never had a song on the radio over there like Living End or anything um, who were massive over there as well as yeah I, I remember the Living End's um, DVD and they went over to America and I know that they have done well there but I remember they were on a tour with the Vandals mm-hmm. and they they put this on their DVD they were like getting yeah. Well, I imagine because people who come and see the Vandals come to see like yeah. a funny punk rock show and then they see this polished yeah. sort of more rock and roll act, you know, with like Gretsch guitars and double basses and stuff, you know. But then there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff being shoehorned into weird positions, I think, all over the time. Like we, we used to tour America with scar bands, which is very weird, but they were always very fun. So I think the crowds uh, enjoyed like we were tour with Real Big Fish or Les and Jake were the first band that took us on tour. In fact, Les and Jake, our first ever American tour was with Les and Jake uh, in on the west, on the east coast, we started in Florida, made our way over, and then this band that was starting to blow up called Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, I heard of them, yeah, yeah. And then they, it was just as they got big, wow. and so by the time we got to the west coast, it was these giant shows in Los Angeles and stuff. It was amazing for us. I was nineteen at the time. Did you have much to do with those guys? Uh, actually, their their old drummer Scott Rayner. We used to hang out with him a lot. Um, the other two, they were. I guess protecting their voices or protecting their their uh, themselves from us because yeah. <laughs> we were just so we were so drunk the whole time. In fact, their their drummer probably preferred hanging out with us because he preferred to drink and they didn't that much. Um, well, there's rumours that that's what got him. Oh, the only alcoholism. But yeah, I think I think Americans think you know anyone who has more than you know. Well, I think that is also a scientific belief. Anyone who has any more than four beers a day is an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah, that they, comes up in surveys yes, all the time. It does. Yeah, yeah. There was, we did take, we, yeah, we went down to, with Scotty to um, Tijuana a couple of times when we were playing in San Diego and he had a, we had a great time with him. So I was, because I was 19, I was not technically allowed to drink in America. Of course. And it didn't, it didn't cause too much of an issue, except when we got to the Viper Room, which is, you know, where River Phoenix died. Mm-hmm. Amazing venue, apparently. I've never been to it because. We got there, UMI and Spiderbait were playing. It was like we'd been on tour for three months or two months. Oh, my God, this is amazing. A bit taste of home. This is back when you couldn't stay in contact with your friends back at home. You had to do reverse charge calls. Yeah. And so, oh, we'll meet some, you know, we'll hang out with some Australians. It'll be cool. And they wouldn't let me in because I was under 21. <laughs> and so the rest of the band did the correct thing and said, okay, fuck off, Lindsay. And they all went inside and left me to walk around. <laughs> Los Angeles, Hollywood, yeah. by myself as a 19-year-old for a few wow. hours. They, they're incredible stories to look back and, th- and think about, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. It's a, it's a very. I mean, I was. It's funny, I was a massive uh, when I was a kid. I was a massive UMI fan. My girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I used to stalk Tim Rogers around Sydney. We'd like, oh, see, he's in Red Eye Records, and we're always in Waterfront Records now. We'd follow yeah. him around and stuff. And he's playing um, Heartaches? He's, no, no, Hard-ons. 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 Yeah, yes, he's the... playing the Hard-ons, who also are playing around here. They play, they played at Lincoln Pin a few months in ago. In Woolworth, yeah. Yeah, in a secret gig, yeah. The longevity of Friends of Rom, mm. like, 
We brought up Limp Biscuit before. They're still going. That's um, true. That's true. <laughs> they did have a, a bit of a, a downtime. Yeah, they did. They stopped for a while. But you guys haven't. And mm. you're still going. What, what is the, What is the key to that? It's not giving a – it's not caring about getting any more popular. Like, I think we, we got to a point where we were like, all right, this is it. This is this – is we, we, we're going to be – this is where we're going to be. And now you have to decide whether you want to – uh, just keep trying to push it and keep, you know, and trying to relive the glory days and all that sort of thing and just look a bit sad or just coast along. Just coast along and we decided just, just coast along. So we, we only play when we want to play. We all live in different states. Like Jason lives in Sydney. Our drummer lives in Melbourne. Our um, bass player lives in Newcastle. So we don't see each other. When I said states, I meant cities. Uh, we don't see each other all that often, but we, and whenever we do, it's because we want to, yeah. you know. And we still you know, write and, and record music. So that's pretty important. So how does well. that work? Like, um, Oh yeah. How do we write and record? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you just write and record? We, and stuff? we send demos to each other and then we get together and we'll just record them and then we'll eventually record them as a, as an album. So yeah, we just email stuff to each other. And, uh, when we get together, we've already learned the songs. So we, we, we don't rehearse for shows, but we'll, re- we'll rehearse new songs. And so. is it, is it Jay that's leading the recording or do you all oh, know yeah. how, to, Jay, how to? No, Jay, well, we record in our own, yeah, studio. We've got like little bedroom studios yep. that we all do stuff in. Even our drummer is getting better at doing that stuff. Um, but uh, we, but yeah, he Jason records bands for a living. That's what he does. When yeah, he that's what I was about yeah. to say. So he's in. In fact, the Hardons share his. He, he, he and the Hardons have a sort of studio, studio they share together in Marrickville. So yeah, he's um, he's the guy that does all that, and that's great. We just get in there and just bash out songs whenever we can. Last few years has been hard. We were supposed to record a couple of years ago, and obviously we didn't. Um, but we will more than likely this year. I think we've got a standing booking that's supposed to be happening in November, but it's, um, I don't know. We've got enough songs, but I feel like you always think, fuck, well, should we write more songs just to find better ones? You know, because we're, we're definitely a, a, a quantity. Yeah. Write, write the songs, get all the crap ones out of the way so you'll write a good one. You know? That's right. Yeah, you've got to, I, I've, heard, I've heard this anyway, that you, mm. you've got to keep writing, writing, writing. Mm. You have about 40 songs and then you look at them and you go, oh, maybe I only want five mm. and then I'll write another 40. I mean, is, that, is that the same principle? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably animals that have a, a similar idea when it comes to reproduction. They know a lot of them aren't <laughs> going to survive, so they just pump as many out as they can. That's definitely yeah. well. Yeah, and, and it is. And, and, you, and you love all of them and then you realise that you love some of them more than others and then you, you, know, you get rid of the ones you don't love and, and then you record the other ones and the other ones you you know you you, you just sell to the hard-ons and they record them with Tim Rogers there you go <laughs> and um two years out of the game like not playing gigs and stuff mm. obviously you were okay you got the radio yes gigging. Yeah. How, how did the other boys go uh, well yeah no it was difficult there was um thankfully um the government was dragged kicking and screaming into the job seeker mm. job keeper program which actually our band applied for and got which was really, yep. really good I, I mean I didn't but um, but yeah, our drummer has a regular gig, and uh, our bass player is studying, so it was all sort of okay. That was fine. Not playing gigs did, did suck, but then I started doing this weekly um, uh, live stream thing on Facebook and Instagram, which just started as a way for me. Like I was like, I'm going to force myself to play guitar, so I'll just do. I'll just turn the uh, the camera on, and I'll just do it. And then I started doing it, and I did 26 episodes, so half a year. Of- I watched a few of those, and actually one of them, you saved the crowbar. 
kind oh, yeah. of, kind of. It, well, yeah, you know, like, you, what did you give? You gave away your Gibson SG. Yeah, my first ever. Well, my not my first ever, but my main Gibson SG that I was playing on the when on the recording for a man's not a cow. Wow. <clears throat> and someone's got that. Family. Yeah, yeah. Reese Reese Whitehead has that. Okay. He's a he he won the auction. Yeah. So Crowbar Bar in Sydney. Um, our friends run, and of course, every venue was having so much trouble through COVID, and they've been having issues with other things as well um, related to just getting live music happening in Sydney. No pokies, you know that's sort of a bar yeah. and so yeah so yeah we we donated a few things some skateboards some cd uh, some records and then yeah i was like oh i've got this guitar you want this guitar uh, like, i've just had i've just had it set up it's oh no i hadn't had it set up i had i just put strings on it, oh, it actually sounds really i think good. i logged into my bank account that night and i was like can i do it can i <laughs> can, a mate of mine. can i buy it <laughs> Mate of mine here tonight that was as well, and he was like, "I had a, I had like a three thousand dollar cap, and I didn't think it'd go over that." I'm like, well, thank you very much. And I'm going for like six grand, which is well, it's a pretty good guitar to start yeah, with, isn't it? That's seven, 1970, 72, I think, or seventy three Gibson SG, um, which I bought secondhand in like ninety seven or something. And then it's been recorded on this great album. Yeah, exactly, and been used on so many tours, and you know, <laughs> the neck's been broken a few times and it's been fixed, but it does sounds great. It, and uh, and Reese, I gave it to him. We played at one of the spring-loaded festival gigs uh, in Hastings in the Mornington Peninsula, and yeah, I gave it to him here and there, and he very much appreciated it. I put it onto a rack with all these other fancy guitars. He's got his bit of a guitar nut, and it definitely looks out of place amongst <laughs> all these beautiful, you know, uh, you know, pristine Les. Oh, Pauls so he's already got too many. <laughs> well, it just looks. It, it, it stands out, which is good because it's got my silly stickers all over good. it and stuff. Yeah, and uh, and. It'll, it'll also stand up because if, if you play it too hard, you'll cut yourself because it's got really sharp <laughs> edges on it from just being used so badly. For that's years. very punk. Yeah, yeah. You got to bleed. If you're not bleeding, yeah, no. that's if right. You, you if pussy. You, if you're bleeding when you're playing music, go and see a doctor. <laughs> don't, don't. It's got nothing to do with being tough. <laughs> oh well, okay. Well, um, look. Oh, yeah, I've got to go and do that now. You've, play you, music. you've got. To, I don't want to hold you too long. Yeah. That's, that's that's why I'm sitting. There. I'm looking at times, and yeah, yeah. you've got this big show on, and uh, so we, we, we there might be some new friends. Or yeah, no, there is. We've written songs. We we we, we play them in soundcheck occasionally. The theory is to record in November and have it out early next year. But who knows what will happen with a band that doesn't really care too much about yeah. that sort of stuff. I mean, we do care about writing new songs, but we're just a bit lazy. As long as there's no more pandemics, we'll be... We'll be yeah, sick. I feel like as long as the monkeypox, you know, as long as we get control <laughs> of the uh, the pustules with, yeah. associated with the monkeypox, we should be right. And I saw this um, uh, release from New South Wales Health about Legionnaires, and I was like, and it is very uh, serious. But, like, yeah. there's just so many little things, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if everyone can do it. Nah. We're all, like, in um, pandemic, like, holiday at the moment, just... just yeah. Just, you know, relaxing. Okay, just tell us about Legionnaires later. <laughs> can we just leave our can we leave our dirty air conditioning on just for a couple yeah. more months? That's what it is, isn't it? Dirty air conditioning. That is, yeah. Legionnaires. It comes from the air. I feel like it's pretty old school Legionnaires. That is. That's like the like late nineties. If I had it, I wouldn't tell else. anyone. I'd be like, oh, it's embarrassing. Oh no, I reckon there's a bit of coolness. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh you got monkey box, do you? Interesting. Yeah, I got Legionnaires. That was cool in the nineties. I got yeah. that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't breathe. It's from the nineties. <laughs> well, when we when we wrote Never Had So Much Fun, Can't Drink the Water in Sydney was all about the Giardia scare, which was also very late nineties. Are we allowed to talk about that song because that's my favourite song, oh, yeah, right? Of that yeah. is my favourite song. That's so, right. so let's let's go through that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't drink the water in Sydney. Yeah. Can't eat the food, food in Japan. Japan. That was because we went to Japan the first time and uh, had a great time. This is like nineteen ninety six. Ate really well, 
then realised that all the stuff that we'd been told was vegetarian wasn't because uh, the different definitions of vegetarianism in different cultures. So, you know, everything's made with fish stock and beef stock and stuff. So the next time we went back to Japan because we were all vegetarian and vegan, uh, it was basically just rice and soy sauce. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was can't eat the food in Japan and can't breathe the air in Los Angeles because we were in Los Angeles at the time and it is filthy there. You know what's funny? You're probably talking about, you know, early 2000s, maybe 90s there. Mm. Imagine how bad, like, it must be so bad yeah. now. If it was oh bad God. then. It's insane, yeah. I actually find America has this really sweet smell from all the corn syrup in everything. It's a sweet <laughs> smell that's in everything. Um, and uh, but yes, that is the that's that's where it all comes from. Essentially, I play our songs acoustically sometimes, and I always get the lines for that song wrong, and it's really embarrassing because the oh. song that probably most people know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on your Spotify, I think it's the top one. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say of so. the fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Lindsay. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, yeah, and Sean. and thank you for uh, you know you could have left me on red. But no, that's true. I could have. But you didn't. I didn't. No. Well, take care, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. You're I'm a legend. Going to go inside. I'm going to get out of the car, <laughs> out of our, out of our Central Coast car park, and I go to the gig. All Cheers. right, get out of here. There it is, the very first interview on the first ever Street Press podcast. Thank you to Lindsay McDougal for jumping on the show, being the first one. When Frenzel Rom records some more music, we'll have to have him back on the show. I think he was saying November. Frenzel are jumping back in the studio, which is pretty exciting. Can't wait to hear what they've got in the works. Now, this segment, this is uh, to sort of wrap up the show. It is called Letters. So. Anyone out there, anyone listening that wants to write on into the show, you can do so at info at theritzykids.com. Alternatively, you can go to at the Ritzy Kids Band on Instagram. You might have criticism. You might have some ideas. You might want to hear one of your favorite bands interviewed on here. Anything you've got to say, you can write on in. I've been doing a lot of reels lately on Instagram, which has been a lot of fun. I've been hashtagging and doing all that stuff. Uh, I don't even know if hashtags are still in. It looks like it has worked because Austin, he says, this song just popped up randomly on my reel. Checked out all the songs on Spotify. So good. That was for the song, Sally. Thank you so much, Austin. Thanks for your love. It's always good to, uh, to get feedback from around the world, wherever you are. So, Also, just to wrap up the podcast today, I just want to say a huge thank you to a few people. Matt Clark is the first one I want to say thanks to. He created the intro to the podcast. He is a really clever music engineer. He's a funny fella, uh, and he whipped that up, and I was blown away by that. So thank you so much, Matt. Rachel Hart, I want to say a big thank you to you. Uh, She is a pro at podcasting, and I rang her, and I I was just chewing her ear off. I was like... um, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? She said, um, you know, some of your ideas are good. Some of them need some work. Love the honesty. My brother, Nathan, he's also in the podcasting game. He has been on the phone with me as well, helping out with the podcast. And last but not least, I want to say thank you to you for tuning in to the first one. Hopefully we can have you next week for the next one. It is going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, I think that's basically all I've got to say, all I've got to do. So hopefully catch you then. Don't forget, check out the band, theritzykids.com, and I'll catch you next week. Ta-da. Sunday.